Let's look to the Lord in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this privilege and this honor to sit under your word. We ask God that you would uh, speak to us today. God, we did not come out of form or fashion. We didn't come to be seen. God, we came to hear a word from the Lord. We ask even right now, God, that you would speak to us. God, we sit here with our tent doors open, our ears open, our hearts ready to receive the word. God, we ask even right now that you'd move me behind the cross, Lord, that only you would be high and lifted up. Father, we don't want anyone to be celebrated but you. Be the celebrity today. Jesus, would you show off? Would you show up? Would you do the miraculous? Jesus, would you get all the attention today? We came to celebrate you. We came to worship you. We realize that Ronald cannot preach unless the preacher shows up. So we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would preach through Ronald, that you would preach in his stead. Because I realize and recognize that I'm not worthy to be used by you. But God, I ask that you would just use me anyhow. And I present my body to you as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto the Lord, which is our reasonable service. Have your way, we pray, for it's in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Our Bible lesson, our... Text will be coming out of the book of Psalm. If you have the book of Psalm, will you turn it to chapter 20? We're going to read the entirety of this uh, text, but we're going to hone in on verses 6 to 8. The Bible says, May the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. May the name of God of Jacob defend you. May he send you help from the sanctuary and strengthen you out of Zion. May he remember all your offerings and accept your burnt sacrifice. Salah. May he grant you according to your heart's desire and fulfill all your purpose. We will rejoice in your salvation. And in the name of our God, we will set up our banners. May the Lord fulfill all your petitions. Now, I know that the Lord saves his anointed. He will answer him from his holy heaven with the saving strength of his right hand. Some trust in chariots and some in horses. But we will remember the name of the Lord our God. They have bowed down and fallen, but we have risen and stand upright. Save, Lord. May the king answer us when we call. Somebody ought to say amen for God's word. That was a great word there. Amen. Amen. I was relieved to find out that I am not the only one who forget things. Have you ever started out 
knowing you had to do something or to get something, and you trek yourself all the way up the stairs. You get to the room and you ask yourself, and what was I supposed to do? What was I supposed to get? Y'all looking at me funny, but I know somebody else has done that in here, amen? Amen. Everyone does at one time or another. According to Karen Bola, a John Hopkins researcher, she states these are the things people most often forget. Names 83% of the time, where something is 60% of the time. Telephone numbers 57% of the time. Words 53% of the time. What was just said 49% of the time. Faces 42% of the time. And if you just done something, did I just open that door? Did I pick that up? Did I put the alarm on? Y'all know what I'm talking about, 38% of the time. Sometimes followers of Jesus Christ have a problem with forgetfulness. After all, we have countless examples in the Bible. The Israelites forgot God when he delivered them out of the hand of the Egyptians. The disciples forgot who was on the hinder part of the boat, who was in the hinder part of the boat. When the, the storm was raging, the wind was blowing, they forgot who they had on board. Believers tend to forget sometimes in high pressure situations or when we are going through. We tend to forget God. Sometimes we seem to forget that we are his children. We fail to recall what he has promised to us all. We do not remember his awesome power and his love. Therefore, we try to fix, overcome, or solve problems in our own strength by using the wisdom of the world. Well, our text today will help us with spiritual amnesia. When we are about to go into battle, or even when we are in the heat of the battle, I want to look at three things in this text this morning, y'all. The truth he expressed in verse 6. The trust he exercised in verse 7. And the triumph he expected in verse 8. It's right there in our text. Let's look at this king and how in the midst of facing an awesome Assyrian army stood on some assurances that he knew what he knew about Jehovah. It's right here in our first text, the, the, the truth he expressed, verse 6 there. The Bible says that he said, now I. Look at how this sentence starts. In the first person, singular, denotes a change in the speaker. In the first five verses, the people were speaking, but it shifts at this point to the king. The psalmist knew some truths which he expressed before going into battle. Well, my brothers and sisters, before entering into any battle, you must know some truths. 
in spite of the opposition that you are facing or about to face, you got to know some truths. You ought to know some things that God has promised you. You are more than a conqueror in Jesus Christ. Christ promised that he would never leave you nor forsaken you. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You ought to know the promises of God. You ought to know who you got on your side. No weapon formed against us shall prosper. Every word that speaks out in judgment shall be condemned. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Lord will raise up a standard. You ought to know some things before you go into battle. Somebody ought to say amen. Our weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they mighty through God for the pulling down of the strongholds. The battle is not yours. It belongs to the Lord. You ought to know some stuff about your Savior before you go into the That's what this king said. Now I know. There's some stuff that you ought to know. Can't nobody do it for you. Your mama can't do it for you. Your daddy religion can't do it for you. Your sister, your brother, your aunts, or your uncle. There's just some stuff that you ought to know. Hallelujah. Some things you just have to know that you know that you know. What did this king know, y'all? It's right here in our text. It's right here in verse 6. He knew that God would deliver his anointed. He knew that God would fight his battles because God anointed him for such a time as this. Some of us are fighting battles. God has not called us to. You keep getting beat up. You do not have the spiritual endowment to withstand and therefore you keep getting the same results over and over again. You know what happens when you do the same thing over and over again. Jason can attest to this. It's called insanity. You keep going in the same way over and over again and getting the same results over and over again. God has not called you to this battle. You do not have the fortitude, the endowment, the anointing to stand in the midst of the battle. So you put your gloves on every time. Grease up your ears. Take your earrings out. Brothers, you, you get all beefed up and you go right into that battle. Realizing and recognizing and not understanding that God has not called you to that battle. And you keep refailing the test over and over again. You know God specializes in repeated tests. God will continue to allow you to go through that same cycle over and over again till you realize that this battle is not yours. I'm not being called to do this. That you need to throw up your hands and look to the hills from whence cometh your help. God has not called you to it and you keep getting the same result. No, I got to test. Can I get somebody to testify to that fact? Amen. Amen. Some of us are fighting battles that we've not been called to. And I don't know about you, my sisters and brothers. I don't want to do anything that the Lord has not anointed me to do. In fact, I wouldn't want to preach this word of God if God had anointed me. 
if God had not poured out his spirit on me. I don't know about you. I don't want to do anything that the Holy Spirit does not lead me to or guide me to. Because whenever you go on your own, what you say is, God, I got it under control. I can handle it. I know what to do. But there's something about the leading of the Holy Spirit. God walks before us. He knows what's ahead all the way down. We look at the right now. God looks at the not yet. God knows all the way down in the corridors of time what's before us. So I'd rather have the Holy Spirit walk before me and pave the way for me. Hallelujah. I tell you, I tell you, this king knew something. Secondly, he knew that God is just a prayer way. The text does not say that he might or maybe he will. It said, God will hear my prayer. It's good news to know that God hears our prayers. God is in heaven, but our prayers can scale the glorious heights. The heavens are holy. But Jesus purifies our prayers so they gain, that they gain admittance into heaven. When we don't know what to pray, the Holy Spirit grabs our, mm, wraps himself around it, takes it into the very presence of God, and lays it in the throne of God, and utters it and speaks it on our behalf. I tell you, God hears our prayer. I thank God. When you don't know what to pray and don't know how to pray, just a simple, mm, the Holy Spirit will wrap himself around the head. I don't know about you, but sometimes I was in some tight situations. I was, my wall, I was up against the wall, and I didn't know what to pray. I didn't know how to pray because I was so consumed with what's going on. But then sometimes you just got to say, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit will wrap himself around the head. And he'll interpret that for you and move on your behalf. Have you ever had to call on the name of Jesus? Listen, listen. God always hears our prayers. There was a pastor in a small rural church that was asked by a young man attending church that Sunday. He asked the pastor, how do you know? that God hears and answers prayers. The pastor said to the young man, that God is like a traffic light. Whenever you pray, God will give you a green light, a yellow or red light. A green light means it is clear to proceed because I have cleared the way for you. I've already looked down the road for you and it's clear to go. A yellow light means to wait and proceed with caution. But some of us get the yellow and green mixed up. Yellow means to wait. Some of us run through the yellow lights of life. We run ahead of God. He lets us because of his permissible will. But there's always consequences when we move ahead of God. The pastor told the young man, he hears all the time so many believers saying, if I had only waited, and somebody this morning can testify 
that if I would have only waited, if I would have just waited on the Lord, if I would have just stood still, I wouldn't have some of the scars I bear this morning. I wouldn't have some of the pain that I'm going through right now. Somebody ought to testify and throw up your hand to the Lord because you know if you would have just waited, you would not be in the situation or going through or have gone through some of the stuff you're going through. You can look at me funny all you want and take your halos off because God knows that you ran ahead of him in some situation and you bear this God. You know it and God knows it and you ought to just give God some praises anyhow because he's been loving and graceful and merciful and long-suffering. Hallelujah. You ain't got to testify. I will testify by myself. I wish I would have waited in some areas of my I wish I would have not messed up my bank account. I wish I would have not been into debt. I wish I would have not just waited on the Lord and been of good courage and stood on the word of God. But here I am. In spite of my mess up, in spite of my jacket, God loved me so much that he looked beyond my fault. <laughs> God always answers prayers. You just need to know what color the light is before proceeding. Well, thirdly, this king knew God would deliver him with his right hand. It's right there in the text. It's right there. Anybody going outside the Bible? It's right there. Read your Bible. It's right there. Thirdly, this king knew God would deliver him with his right hand. It's a sign of God's power. God would not answer by letter or by word of mouth, but by his right hand. There is power in God's right hand. You know, Mike Tyson was so feared in his day. It was because of our Mike Tyson's right hand. You know, Mike Tyson hit you with his right hand, it was lights out, <laughs> going fishing, be back in 30 minutes. When Mike Tyson hit you, you were down. But we serve a God that has a stronger hand than Mike Tyson. When God hits our opponents, they are done for good. You ought to give God some praises. God has a mighty right hand. He brought the Egyptians out of, the Israelites out of Egypt with a right hand, with his mighty hand. You know, we shake with our right hand. We call our boy our right hand man. And Jesus, when he died on the cross, gave up the ghost and said it is finished. He was buried and got up on the third day. And then he ascended up heaven and sat on the right hand side of God and somebody ought to give God some the right hand he knew hallelujah that God would deliver him with his right hand but not only that he 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 in verse 7 it looks let's go to our next point in verse 7 let's look at the trust he exercised first of all Sometimes we read the Bible too fast. We just run through a verse. The first verse that I, I don't want you to run past this, I'll skip that word, some. That's a very important word. Some implies 
that not all do. Contextually, this sum is talking about those who put their reliance on military equipment. You must remember, saints, that some will, some will not, some do, and some will not. The text says that they put their trust, they bet all their money on, they boasted on, took pride in, put full stock in, and went for broke. They went all in, y'all. I can almost understand why the Assyrian army felt this way. They had an awesome army, which was made up of the best chariots and horses. Their war chariots were the most dreaded war engine during this time in history. Historians tell us that Syrians armed their chariots with blades that mowed men down like grass. Their horses were like the horses that ran in the Kentucky Derby. They were not crossbreeds, but thoroughbreeds. Their chariots and horses made an opposing show. They were used to charge and cause panic and so that they could engage the enemy at close range with javelins or spearmen. I saw this play out. My favorite movie is Gladiator. I saw that. You saw Gladiator, right? And these chariots were running around. They had these blades spinning real fast. And on the back of the chariots, they had arrowmen and javelins. And they would cause so much panic because you didn't know what to duck or to move out the way. So it is in our lives. That's what the enemy tries to do to us. He tries to cut us down or shoot us down or throw fiery darts at us at all times. What are you and what chariot has you in panic? What horse has you in fear or panic? Who are you trusting? What are you relying on? I know we got some good contacts. We know some people, right? We know some people in high places. Our pedigree, where we grew up, we, we, we got some stuff going on. We are, we all of that in a bag of chips. We got some stuff that we can rely on. Just like these Assyrian armies, sometimes we rely on the wrong things. It's right here in our text. One of the devil's strategies in this warfare, when he attacks, is for us to become fearful. That's what happened at the Red Sea. All the people, all they could see is a, a sea before them and chariot and Pharaoh and all his horsemen behind them. But I love what Moses says. Moses says, look, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. And that's what we need to do sometimes. In the midst of everything going on around us, sometimes we just need to stand still and see we serve an awesome God. We serve a powerful God. What a mighty God we serve. We just sung a song. There's none like him. There's none beside him. What a wonderful name. 
there's none like him. We serve a God who is able to keep us from falling and to present us faultless in the presence of the Lord. We serve a God who is able to take out any enemy before us. I don't care what your enemy looks like. It can be a Goliath in front of you. You ought to stand still and see God take down Goliath. I don't care if it's mountains before you. God can shrink mountains before you. I don't care what your situation that has you in panic. We serve a God who is able to do it. Is he able to do it? I don't care what the opposition looks like. He's able to do it. The text tells us that the king, the Hebrew word right there in this verse 7, it says, to keep in memory or ponder. I will remember. The word is a car. It's a word to remember, memory or ponder. The more you bring back to memory, the more confident you become. Some of us get spiritual amnesia as soon as something breaks out. We forget that this ain't the first time we've been here. This ain't the first time we've been through this situation. We forget that that same God that brought us out of yesterday will bring us out of today and tomorrow and forevermore. That same God that was there in the midst of the storm with us, who brought us out, will bring us out again. We tend to forget he still got the power to do it. <laughs> when I think about how he brought me out of past battles, it helps me to stand firm in the midst of future battles because he is the same God yesterday, today, and forevermore. But the object of this king's faith was the name of the Lord because God's name is his nature, his reputation, and his character. I love that. God's name is on the line. There was a child that was sent home from school for bad behavior. And the father sat down with him and asked him, why were you sent home, son? He told the father that he was sent home because of bad behavior. The father said, you're right about that. But why were you sent home? With tears rolling down the son's eye. The father said, what is your name, son? My name is Roy. He asked him again, what is your name, son? Tears streaming down his eyes. The boy said, my name is Roy James. And he said, you're right. When you leave this house, you represent the James because our name is on the line. But not only is his name on the line, the James are on the line, but God's name is on the line. 
We serve a God. His name is on the line. Whenever we go out, how we handle our battles, how we handle our situation, God's name is on the line. And we ought to walk like children of God. We ought to stand like children of God while we in the midst of because we serve a mighty God who's able. Woo! <laughs> Man, I, I, <laughs> oh, mm. oh, Jesus. His name is on the line. I love what the late E.K. Belly said. You can call on the name of Malcolm X, but when you call on that name, you got to call Martin Luther King. When you call Magic Johnson, you also got to call the name Larry Bird. When you call on Muhammad Ali, you got to lift up the name Joe Frazier too. When you call on the name Jim Brown, you got to call on the name Walter Payton. Well, when you call on Phil Nicholson, you got to call on Tiger Woods. When you call on Michael Jordan, many say you got to call LeBron James now. When you call Ron, you got to call Kelly too. But my sisters and brothers, whenever you call on the name of Jesus, there is no other name to call. Because God has given him a name that is above every name. And at the name of Jesus, every knee, I, oh, I, the Holy Spirit. Somebody tell Kirk Franklin for me. There is something about that name. It's sweeter than a honey on a honeycomb. It's more precious than rubies. There's something about his name because there's power in his name. There's healing in his name. There's deliverance in his name. There's hope in his name. There's joy in his name. There's peace in his name. I love to call on the name of Jesus. Have you ever had to call on the name of Jesus in the midnight hour? Have you ever called him in the noonday hour? Have you ever called him early in the morning? Jesus, I wish somebody would stand up and call out the name of Jesus. <laughs> There's healing in that name. Somebody need to call on Jesus right. I know you've been calling your mama. I know you've been calling your people. But call the name of Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus. There's something happens when you call on the name of Jesus. I know something happened because I feel it right now. I feel Jesus all over me. <laughs> There's something about his name. You ought to call on the name of Jesus. There's power in his name. This leads us to our last point. The triumph he expected. Look in verse 8. The king knew the outcome because he trusted and relied on God's name. I don't know what you're relying on. I don't know who you're relying on. It might be over. It might be your horoscope. I don't know. But child of God, you ought to rely 
on the name of Jesus. He honors his name. In fact, his name, his name, he keeps his name. His name, you ought to, his name ought to be on your lips all the time. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's something about his name. And this king knew that. Because look at the outcome, y'all. It's right there in verse 8. The things that they relied on, God used for their destruction. My mama told me a long time ago, son, if you dig one ditch, you better dig two. Because the one you dig might just be for you. These people realized and recognized, they didn't understand. The things that they were relying on was the very things that was to their end. God, right here in the Bible, says that their outcome, the things that they relied on was their destruction. They are bent down, bowed over. But we stand upright and tall. If you can't shout over that, that's something to give God some glory for. All the hell you've been through, all that you've been through, look at you, you still standing tall. You still here in the sanctuary. You still giving God some praises. You should have lost your mind a long time ago. But look at you now. You don't even look like what you've been through. And somebody ought to give God some praises because you know you've been through some stuff. You know. <laughs> they are bent down and bowed over but we stand tall and upright we win because our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus blood and righteousness we dare not trust the sweetest frame but wholly lean on Jesus name because it's on Christ the solid rock we all must stand because all other ground is sinking sand. We are winners, my sisters and brothers. We are victorious. Don't forget, because we've sung this song ever since Sunday school. In the name of Jesus, we have the victory. Satan has the fleet. Tell me who can stand before us when we call on that great name, I can't sing. Somebody ought to help me. Jesus, Jesus. Come on, Priscilla. Come on, Essie. Help me out up here. Praise the Lord. Let's give God some praises up here. Amen. Thank you. We bless your name, Father. We thank you for your word today. God, we are more than conquerors in you. We thank you that we are victorious in you, that in your name, we have deliverance, we have healing.